I am your host, Raquel Ark, an American podcasting from Germany, and this is Listen In. Join this series of conversations with inspiring scientists, leaders, and authors about listening as a surprising superpower that is not always as easy as it seems. Believe me, I know, and I've been learning and will continue to learn, and I hope that this podcast will help you find practical ways to help others listen better while you become better at leading people, catalyzing collaboration, transforming conflict, building trust and engagement, And I'll tell you, when really good listening happens, then the entire group, including you, can feel energized and inspired. So sit back and enjoy listening beyond what we typically think of. Leadership can get lonely. It can feel like the weight of decision-making and responsibility falls all on your shoulders. What if there were another way? one that could create a transformative culture where everyone, including you, is heard and valued, giving rise to enthusiasm and engagement, and also growing a better and stronger organization. In this episode, authors Michael Gingrich and Tom Caden talk about their new book, Listening Two by Two, A Paradigm Shift for Leaders where they paint a culture of listening as a paradigm shift in a CEO's journey. And this creates unexpected magic in his organization. Michael and Tom also co-lead the organization, Someone to Tell It To, whose mission is to cultivate meaningful relationships through compassionate listening, and they train others to do the same. In this episode, they share their vulnerabilities and how they strive every day either at home or in the workplace, to listen with intention. Enjoy listening in. So welcome to the Listen In podcast. Um, This is your second time here, Tom and Michael. It's so nice to have you back on the show. Well, thank you. We're excited to be back. So we decided that we're like, let's do this again. And part of this is also a celebration. It's a celebration of a book that you just launched. So I just want to congratulate you on your uh, new book. And we're going to go into details about that in just a moment. You know, last time we spoke, I asked you if, you know, about the first time that you remembered listening, having an impact on you, whether it worked or it didn't work. And I was wondering, since you've taken time to write this book, which is about listening two by two. Can you share a story about when listening two by two had a powerful impact for you two? Yeah, we'll start off with just again, thank you for having us on Raquel. Just always good to be in your presence. And for all of our listeners here today too, we just welcome you to uh, this conversation yeah, this actually just happened to us yesterday. As someone to tell to our nonprofit continues to grow, our team expands and anybody who's a leader, you would understand this. I mean, our schedules as the co-chief encouragement officers, as the co-CEOs, the demands on our time and our schedules just continues to increase as the needs grow. And so we're just oftentimes struggling to find the time and the space and the energy to just get everything done and to make sure that we're on top of everything. And we always 
we wake up often. I'm sure a lot of leaders could relate to this at three in the morning, like panicking. Are we going to miss something? You know, and trying hard not to miss like the bigger things. Like we're all going to miss small things, but if we can keep ourselves from missing the big things. And so just yesterday, we met with a couple of our team members and there just happened to be two females on our team and they just listened to us just as leaders and, and being able to process with them what it's like and some of the burdens that we carry, that we only carry as the, the CEOs that not everyone else knows about and it's not always pretty, but just to be able to process that with our team and express some level of vulnerability, it's just so healing for us. And, uh, and we found just a lot of comfort and safety. And we hope that we're doing that with our team as well, but it's just nice for us to be the ones being heard. So in your team, when you think about your leadership team, or, you know, some of the leaders who are helping to run your organization, even when you have concerns or you're trying to work on challenges in the organization, you actually listen to each other in pairs in a certain way. Could you describe that a little bit more about what that means for our listeners? When you and Michael spoke to these two women who are leaders in your organization, what exactly does that mean? Did they give you advice? Did they ask questions? But what is it that they did for you that had power? Really no giving of, of advice. One of the, the tenets of someone to tell it to and the training, the listening training that we do for people to, to, you know, to train them how to listen better and with greater intention and presence is that we don't give advice. We don't tell people what to do or try to fix them. We give them the space, the safe space to tell their story, to tell their truth without judgment and without fear. And that's what you know, team members do for us, did for us. That's, that's really important. So to know that we have the, the space that enables us to be open and vulnerable and to share things that are sometimes difficult and hard and challenging, that means everything to be able to do that. And so that's what's extremely important, you know, especially if we've got, you know, the people we listen to, uh, you know, people who listen to us on our team, they are the ones doing a lot of the training. And so they're, you know, they're practicing what they teach. That's important. And, and it's amazing how that works and how good it feels when it does. I also have another example to give that also happened yesterday <laughs> and that, which is Kind of, kind of ironic that Tom had an example from yesterday, and I, there was another one that came to my mind right away. Tom and I did listen to a man yesterday together, the two of us, and he shared something. It was one of those moments, proverbial light bulb went off in his head. We asked some questions, and he realized something that he had never perhaps articulated before or never really thought about before. And it was a real breakthrough moment, we thought. That was enabled to happen because the two of us together each shared with him stories of our own vulnerability that related to what he was talking about in order to help him to feel comfortable and safe to know that he wasn't alone. And to do that two by two is really helpful because we have the safety of each other in that safety, it enables us to be more open and vulnerable, even with people to whom we listen at the appropriate time. 
when we formed a, enough of a relationship or a trusting relationship where it's more two-sided or two-way as opposed to just one-sided. So that was a, a very powerful moment when we could be vulnerable and enabled someone for whom we were listening was able to be vulnerable too and discovered something that he'd really never thought about before. So these are two examples. And one example was maybe you and Tom helping somebody through your listening, right? Through this process, which right. was not only just listening, but it was also sharing. So there was give and take here. We can talk more about that in just a few moments and, and what that means. But you also walk the talk in the organization as leaders where you allowed people on your team to listen to you be vulnerable, right? Correct. And so experiencing the power from that way, also from an organizational standpoint, from, you know, internally. So I think that's really cool. So you're, so there's this practice, even yesterday, it showed up in multiple times during your day in multiple ways. Yes. Yep. So if we do a circle to the, the name of your book, this fits <laughs> listening two by two, a paradigm shift for leaders. And that's when the magic happens. <laughs> <laughs> you just described some of the magic that you experienced yesterday. If you were to describe what this new paradigm shift is for a listener, what picture would you give it? Well, I think if there's one thing that the pandemic and this looming shutdown has taught all of us, it's about bringing communication, especially listening to the top of everyone's list of priorities and skills to develop. I mean, if you just go to like Forbes magazine and just see some of the most recent articles out within the last month, empathy, compassion, kindness, they're talking about those need to be the number one skills in a work culture. And so, we think that those skill sets have been overlooked for way too long. And we're trying to buck that trend. We're trying to not just talk about it, but really truly embody it. And so I think that's the point we're trying to make. So even yesterday, we're just trying to create this culture in our workplace that is very open, that is communicative, that is empathetic, that is compassionate, that is kind. Are we perfect at it? No, I mean, there's always work to be done. I think as we've talked about Raquel in years past together, listening is like a lifelong process. It's a lifelong journey. And I think I remember you saying that there are no such thing as good listeners and bad listeners. We're just listeners. It's just a work in progress. And so do we get it right every day? Probably not. But, you know, one of the things that we've learned, I think yesterday was pretty telling is that trusting our team members is is really a vulnerable thing as leaders because you're putting yourself out there and you're not sure how it's going to be received are you going to get burned by be, being vulnerable uh, is it going to come back to create extra conflict in the culture you know when they start to know more about you as leaders and what kind of keeps you up at night no pun intended but we found that it's so healing. It actually creates the best outcomes we found. You know, that's why we have seen just some huge breakthroughs for someone to tell to and, and why we've grown as an organization is because people really have bought into that type of a culture. And I mean, you've seen it just 
there's all these conversations about the great resignation right now and people just leaving work cultures because they're not finding that sense of belonging, that sense of safety. So, you know, we'll make this point and we've made it a lot lately since our book has come out just a couple of weeks ago, but if you're not making empathy and compassion and listening top of mind as a leader in your organization, we can guarantee that you're not going to be in a leadership position for very long. We also are trying, and we write about this in the book, we are trying to change the phrase soft skill, uh, often empathy, compassion, listening are considered soft skills. To us, that implies something that's not as, as important or as vital or as necessary, that it's something maybe extra. Uh, it's nice if you do it, but that's not really anywhere near the top of anyone's list of skills you're supposed to have to be a good leader, to be a good, to be a good colleague. And in addition, just even, even in our homes, even in our, in our personal relationships with our family, with our friends, that you know, that's not something that's often at the top of the list. We believe just to change that, that's a paradigm we'd like to, to shift. That listening is not a soft skill to be seen as something that's not necessary. It might be nice, but not necessary, but it's something that needs to be first on any list when we're in relationships with people, whether they are personal relationships or professional relationships, that listening is where it starts and listening is where it needs to continue and listening is where it ends. And if we are not listening well, we are not hearing what others need. We're not hearing their ideas. We're not hearing their, you know, or understanding their feelings where we're not really paying attention to them, really not valuing them, really not enabling them to be the best people they can be. And so that's a picture we want to paint that we want to show people that listening needs to be at the very top in everything we do. And so there's the one paradigm shift as in, you know, shifting this idea about you know, so this listening being just a soft skill to something that it's a life skill. It's an engaged skill. It's a catalyst skill. It, it's a glue yeah, it's baked skill. baked into the culture. <laughs> it's baked in. There's so much, it's so much more, right? However, a sticky skill. I don't know. We have to find some new words right. for that. <laughs> and the other paradigm, what's really different about what you guys do, for those people who are listening, who know a little bit about listening or have, are diving into this listening topic as part of, you know, what you're really working at getting better at, what's really different with what Tom and Michael, what you guys are doing is that you have this practice of listening two by two with two people. So thinking from a leadership perspective, you know, I've heard this often where when it's time to give feedback to employees, I mean, this is a really stressful situation also for leaders in terms of giving feedback or receiving feedback for people, you know, for example. And I even know of an organizations that will set up hotlines during this time for managers to talk to people about it, getting ready for these, because it's a very stressful situation. And now I'm, I'm thinking about you and I'm thinking, okay, you know, what if it is vulnerable or people are afraid to listen because they don't know what to do with it or know how to handle it? What is it about listening with two people together? What is it about that that helps create 
that sense of safety versus being intimidating? Well, first of all, you're not alone. Yeah. So we'll talk from the listener perspective. Okay. For the listener, you know, listening with someone else to someone. So is you're not alone. What does that do? I think it helps to give more courage to, you know, to whatever needs to be said, whatever needs to be shared, that you have a little more courage because you've got someone with you. And I mean, that helps just that you're not alone. It enables you, especially, I mean, and where we go into, and we've had to have some difficult conversations with people, but always before we've gone into them, we, to get, we make sure that we are on the same page. We make sure that we are together on the issue and what needs to be said, what needs to be shared and how. And that is very helpful to know that we have someone, we have each other's backs on that. We have to say some things or approach some things that are challenging and stressful. So, the, so when you are with someone else, then it helps lower the defenses down. It helps to become more so confident. Maybe it allows the chance to explore. And if one, you know, sometimes it's hard to listen to some one thing. So when you have a couple of people there, I know that's with facilitating workshops, I like having someone else do it with me because often if I'm really facilitating, then I have someone else paying attention to the energy in the group, or if someone's quieter, you know, maybe I'm not able to pay attention to all those details. So that really helps like hold the space too, even if they're not maybe speaking as much. So I wonder if it's similar in your situation. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there's so many other things too. It just, there's a weightiness to being the leader at the top. Actually, Ken Blanchard, who wrote the forward, he's a big leadership expert, servant leadership expert, especially here in the United States. He's written The One Minute Manager, which was a international best-selling book. And he's written, you know, 30 or 50 other books. But I remember in one of our discussions with him, and actually we had him as a guest on our podcast, the Someone to Tell To podcast, and he talked about just how lonely it has been at times being at the top. So anybody who's at the top, you can absolutely feel the weightiness. Sometimes we jokingly call it like death by decision making. So everybody <laughs> always comes to the people at the top who are you know, looking to the people at the top to make all the decisions. And, and so even just in being in meetings and, and Michael and I, sharing the weight of leadership is so life-giving. It keeps us from burning out. It keeps us from you know, experiencing tremendous amounts of stress. And, uh, and also just, uh, you know, there, there are inevitably times where one of us will kind of be in a low moment or a low period with just how things are progressing at someone to tell it to. And the other, it's just almost, it's amazing how this works. The other of us is generally in a, in a better space mentally and emotionally. And so they can help to lift us up. And we just find that to be true. Even with, we send all of our listeners out in pairs as someone to tell who's grown. It's just something that, that has become a staple of our organization. And we just have found that our listeners remain just healthy. They're free from burnout mm. because they have each other to lean on. It's something that's just been overlooked, I think, in the work culture. It's always just been assumed. There's always one person at the top. And so all that weight inevitably falls on that one person. And I bet you get asked this, you know, what if the two people don't get along? Then what? <laughs> <laughs> that's why we make certain that they, <laughs> that they do, you know. That, but inevitably, in any relationship, you know, no two people are ever going to see everything exactly the same and react exactly the same. That's normal. And, you know, 
Tom and I've got, you know, kind of relationship, you know, such a strong relationship that we, you know, we can talk about those things sometimes and we can talk about those things when they, when, when they happen and work through them and come out stronger and, and, and better. But it's important that we try to vet everyone who is a listener and, and the listening pairs so that they do get along well and do see things in very, very common ways. I mean, there's certain kinds of people who we want to be listeners, who we believe are the best listeners. You know, if you're familiar with the Myers-Briggs temperament sorter evaluation and assess those who are intuitive feelers, who uh, just, you know, just have an intuition and have a strong sense of feeling with empathy, compassion, that, that they are able to approach listening in a very similar way because they understand its importance and understand how to do it. it you know, certain kind of personalities to, to <laughs> that, um, too, and that's who we're, we're always looking for. Yeah. yeah well, you know, to actually, and if I may challenge that just a little bit, <laughs> you know, in my work history, I love having people that are a little bit different than me when I'm working on things. Um, for example, you know, someone who may be a little bit more critical or someone who might be more structured or something, because I find that it complements also me when we're listening to customers about, you know, to find out what their needs are and what to do for them. And, but I'm just thinking about what you're saying on one sense, there's a trust, there's a respect, there's an, an acknowledgement of the strengths of each other, which probably still fits. I've never done Myers-Briggs to find out exactly if we all, <laughs> where we fit on that. I was just thinking about that. That's also, I found that I find that very helpful for me. Also, when I'm listening to others to have some people with different perspectives that might see things or understand things differently than that than is I the might. We actually, we don't disagree with that at all. I don't yeah, think that, yeah. that's actually not a, that's not alien to what we believe. In fact, yeah. Tom and I's on the Myers-Briggs scale, we're not exactly the same. We, we, there are four letters that each person gets assigned. There's a, you know, a combination of four letters that make up your, that on that assessment, make up your temperament. Tom and I have three letters that are in common, but there's a fourth letter that's different. And that does show up in the way we respond, in the way we react. And that's actually very helpful. But we're both intuitive feelers though. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> Some other, there are other characteristics that are a bit different. And uh, Tom, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I just think that leadership is about developing others and understanding their strengths and their weaknesses. And so it's about finding the combination of team members who kind of complement each other. Mm -hmm. And we would always argue that the best way to do that is to listen. And we've learned more about our team as time has progressed. We've said pretty openly that one of the ways that we define listening is to know and be known. And that's kind of one of the goals is that we want to know our team members better and we want to be known better ourselves because the more we know each other, the more we're going to be able to accomplish together. And that only happens by listening well and spending time with our team and not just talking about matters about work. I mean, learning more about matters of the heart and, and how those do affect results. Because you know, we often ask our team members, like, what is it that brings you joy? What is it that brings you satisfaction? And it's our job as leaders to put them in positions that is life-giving. Because how many people spend inordinate numbers of hours on tasks and, and spending time on things that are not 
life-giving, but life-sucking. And, uh, and most of us don't want to stay in a position like that for very long. When we had our conversation before we started recording, you said, and this makes me think of what you just described right now. You said that listening with intention can change culture. And when you described this listening to your team over time and your team has grown as your, the work has grown, how has listening changed the culture for someone to tell it to? I think if you focus on developing an organization's culture, which we try hard to do each and every day, we often, when we begin our training work, we love to carry a mirror into whatever organization we're working with and say, it's up to each and every person in this room to take a good hard look at, in the mirror. Because every single day, we all have the opportunity to add to the culture or to take away from the culture. So I think one of the things that we continually try to do is to treat others as we would like to be treated. And it will make a positive difference. I mean, if you ask those you lead how they'd like to be treated and then intentionally listen to their answers and respectfully consider them, you will have the beginning of a transformed culture that helps people be excited and enthusiastic about their work. And that results in better service, better products, and we hope ultimately success. And the same is true, just we often make the point also that it's not just about embodying these things in your work environment. I mean, this should easily spill over into your home life. So we want to be the type of people that it's not just something that we do when we're on the clock, so to speak, but we want to always be on the clock, both at work and at home. And so even in this story that we wrote in Listening Two by Two, I mean, it's a hypothetical situation of a, a man who kind of, he needs a major paradigm shift. He's been a CEO, a very successful CEO, but successful in terms of maybe some results that have been produced. But in terms of the work culture, he needed a major paradigm shift. And it was not just at his work, it was also in his home life. And he realized that he was going to lose uh, a lot if he didn't change that if he didn't pay more attention, if he didn't listen better, if he wasn't more intentional about that, if he didn't notice the personal needs, the personal stories of the people in his organization, the same at home. If he really wasn't noticing his wife or his children, he grew to learn that relationships could be lost because of that. And you know what, the, what this book is trying to show is that you know, it, it is in listening that our relationships deepen and the, the culture, whether it's you know, at home or whether it's at work and the atmosphere can just be so much better, so much more fulfilling if we indeed do know one another and they know us well. It goes both ways, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. One of the things I noticed in your story at the very beginning being a more transformative shift for this man or the CEO is having something that really hit him hard, but he still wasn't paying attention. And there was a certain point in time where he started paying attention to his environment, to how people responded, to how he felt. But there was a certain point of paying attention. And that was the beginning of the journey for him to be open to learn and want to change more. That's right. <laughs> I mean, one of our values, one of the things that we have done also here at Someone to Tell It To within the last several months is we've put together a value statement 
And we've also used the LISTEN acronym. <laughs> I mean, in the book, we use the acronym L-I-S-T-E-N and assign or put various characteristics or various things and skills to each of those letters. But we've done the same thing with values within the organization. And the value that we've assigned to the letter N, the last word, the last letter in LISTEN, is to notice, to mm-hmm. notice one another. And that's what Jeffrey, the man in the story, in the book, began to do. He began to notice his, his top employee and what was important to her. He began to notice the barista at the coffee shop where he was getting coffee on a regular basis, where he had never noticed her before. He had began to notice an, another employee who he you know, kind, of, kind of barely talked with, barely really asked any questions and assumed something about this employee that wasn't true and did not know something that was very true and very significant about this employee's personal life. Mm-hmm. And all of that made a difference, yeah. a huge difference. And then that also translated to home where he noticed things about his children and about his wife and their relationships improved. And he was happier. He was more content, more satisfied uh, because of all of that. And it was a real revelation to him about noticing. So just using that as one example where it was in noticing that he began, it began to change. Yeah. And the noticing, not only others, but he started noticing himself. Yep. And his patterns, his vulnerabilities his triggers, you know, and what really, what he really wanted, you know, so he started noticing all different layers too. Yeah. And I think it comes back to one of the things that you led off this conversation with reflecting back on our previous podcast of you had asked us like, when was an instance when you were surprised by listening? And, you know, the thing for Jeffrey, the lead character in this book that was so transformational is when he had these two women deemed the listeners who journeyed with him and started listening intently to him in this coffee shop week in and week out. And so that's where he started to experience the power of listening and how much of a transformational shift that created in him. Well, you know, the research does say (laughs) that listening is a facilitator of change, right? Of creativity and change. Mm -hmm. It does. And that's what we see in our team members when you ask about them and how the culture at some of the Teletoo might be evolving or changing of what we hope for the better. It's that in really noticing and listening to one another's dreams and hopes and visions and then affirming them and celebrating them and doing our best to enable those dreams to come true, those visions to become reality, those hopes to be real. And it's exciting to see team members who are excited about what they do, who constantly strive to do better, who constantly want to be their best and have new and creative ideas all the time because they're allowed to be, because there's, it's safe, you know, provide safety for people to express their ideas and their thoughts. Don't cut them down and say, no, that can't be done or no, that that's not a good idea or, you know, we don't approach things that way. We try to see and do everything we can to help someone's vision, dream manifest itself in what we do. You know, one of the things that came out, there was a lot of very 
also practical little learnings throughout this whole book. So if anybody reads this, there's a lot of practical tips and stuff here. But one of the things, you know, we talked about Jeffrey paying attention, but the other thing was this idea of being a story seeker instead of a storyteller. I mean, we know storytelling is important in leadership, but what about being the story seeker, someone who's seeking the stories and others, even if it's just a little story and the power of that in listening? Yeah, you've probably heard this statement before, but like we found that managers are often hired for their intellectual abilities, but they're fired for their lack of emotional abilities. So the whole point of this book is to start flexing our emotional abilities and starting to grow in those areas. So I think for Jeffrey, this great awakening was occurring when he started to realize that he just hadn't been listening to his team members. He didn't really truly know them. And as a result, they were not going to the places he knew that they should be going. And so again, coming back to this paradigm shift, he's like, something's got to give here. And the the lead character in the C-suite, she kind of gives them this ultimatum, you either change or I'm out of here. And sometimes we need that as leaders. We need kind of a stark reminder when we get off track, how to quote unquote rally the troops again, because we're obviously missing something. And so he, he started to intentionally seek out their stories just as a kind of a more lighthearted example this one staff member who he had been overlooking for a long period of time was a marathon runner. And at one point he just, after having met with these two listeners, he's like, I never listened to her at all. I don't really even pay attention to her other than that. She manages my schedule day in and day out. So one day he actually took the time to engage her in conversation and she's startled by this because it's so out of the ordinary. But he asked her just to try and know her better and finds out that she's a marathon runner and had been training for this marathon, which was like a huge breakthrough for her. But just the fact that he did that, it created this bond. And then not only did he just express interest, but then he followed up with her later in the book to find out like, how how did that marathon go? And it, it just, again, showed how much he actually truly started to care about his people. So he started to truly learn to listen to their stories on a deeper, more intimate level, not just about things that they're doing and involved in at work, but also their personal lives as well. Yeah. And that just took a few minutes. That's a micro story, but so important. You know, I've heard this often in organizations where people say, oh, you know, that leader doesn't care, you know, and, you know, I was, I've thought a lot about that over the years and thinking about, you know, it doesn't take like a lot of times people use the excuse that they're too busy um, to, to listen or to ask questions or whatever. And I know that people have a schedule, but even taking a busy schedule, but even taking that little bit of time to check in with those little bits, you know, like the marathon and then checking on to see how the marathon went or about the family, those few minutes of just saying, how are you or what's going on has a huge impact on the perception on whether you care. And this is seeing the person, it's noticing the person, people want to be seen, right? And it's about doing it with full presence, not just kind of doing it to get it done, right? To really care. And I think it doesn't take a long time, but it makes a huge, huge difference. I mean, it can take a long time, but it doesn't have to take a long time. It does make a huge difference. And it just takes some intention. You know, it doesn't have to take a long time, but but it does take intention that you respect, it's about respect, 
of the other person and they respect who they are and respect the things about them that make them them. And we all need that. We all need to feel that others care about us and that they are interested in who we are, what we like, what's difficult for us, you know, whatever it is about us that to know and to understand that others know who we are just makes a huge difference. And it creates an atmosphere where we're happier and more engaged. And, you know, and for an organization, you know, a, an atmosphere where when we are more engaged and we're being able to do the things that we love to do, the organization is stronger. The bottom line is stronger. And all the things that, that are important too, they are better. I just wanted to check in with Tom. Tom, did you want to say something? <laughs> well, I just was going to come back to that. We use this LISTEN acronym in the book, L-I-S-T-E-N. And, and I know the S is an important one. It's simplify and self-care. And something that's difficult for us as leaders is to simplify our schedules for better listening and reflection. We all struggle at times. I mean, the demands of leadership are relentless and we oftentimes can feel this pressure to perform, but that's why it's up to us to manage our schedules and to not fill our schedules so much that our entire days are booked and we don't even have space in our schedules for our team. And we just forget about people the end of the day, it's all about people. It's all about relationships. And so we just, as top performers and effective leaders, we can't book our entire days. We need to delegate more. We need to decide what are the things that only I can do, let go and trust others to get the job done. Instilling some confidence and commitment from them that they, that we, you've always heard the phrase that we all have to work smarter, not harder. So we have to kind of concentrate on what we need to do and allow others to do everything else and that balance. For you guys, how do you work at the self-care as leaders in your organization? Well, first off, several things. Michael and I, we started the organization 10 years ago. We're in our 10-year anniversary month right now. Actually, today's February 1st, so we're just beyond our 10-year anniversary. But Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. A couple of things that we've implemented since day one is, is the fact that we do lead together. And that's been so helpful when we can lean on each other, as we've mentioned in this conversation, we, we can make decisions together. We can carry the weight of leadership together. So there's that. Some other practical things that we do is we're constantly reading. We're constantly learning and, and trying to grow together. There's always a book in our hand and the best leaders, the best listeners are learners that we're lifelong learners. So that's another practice we've implemented. We, we schedule retreat days periodically that help us to refresh. We schedule time away and it has to, we've often heard people say like, if you don't manage your schedule, your schedule is going to manage you. So we have to learn to manage our schedules better. And we're going through this right now as we get asked to do more and more. As someone to tell you grows, we have to be even more intentional about it. And it's not easy. I mean, we literally have to sit down and tell our schedule how we're going to spend the t spend it. Otherwise, they'll tell us how we're going to spend our time. And we have to just be really intentional about that as well. I also think that well, I agree with all of that is absolutely, absolutely right. And what, what we try to do. The other thing is we can be very vulnerable with one another too and trust one another. You know, if I'm frustrated with something, 
that in the schedule that this, this is too much or we, we can't keep doing this or that because we're not getting something else done that, that again, as Tom said, only we can do, that we can share that with one another and express, you know, express our frustration or our impatience or, or whatever to help, you know, kind of vent it, to shine light on that and understand where that's coming from and why and, and then work together to do something about it. So we're, you know, I think we're very free and open with expressing when things need to change and perhaps how they need to change, helping one another to make those changes. I think that's important as well, that that, that vulnerability is a key piece. If you were to speak straight to some leaders who are really like to um, be better at listening and listening in their organization and listening to their employees or bringing listening into the, their day-to-days, what would be a couple of gold nuggets that you'd like to share with them? Yeah, I think a couple things, as we've all been experiencing, especially amidst the pandemic, the more observant we become and the more sensitive to the environment around us, the more clarity and insight we'll find. So we have to go kind of internal to be able to do that. We have to really do some serious self-reflecting. Coming back to this point we made earlier of like, how am I adding or detracting from the work culture? Um, another thing is just like we're inundated right now with just a lot of noise and distractions. Every leader has experienced this. And sometimes it just seems almost impossible to kind of free ourselves from the things demanding of our attention. And so people are best distractions. I hope everybody hears that. People are, are the least of our distractions, uh, truth be told. So we need to, to discipline ourselves to give our team members our undivided attention. I mean, simple things like looking people in the eye. We often say that we listen best with our eyes wide open and our eyes are emblematic of what's going on inside our hearts. So focus with your eyes and your hearts and it's a powerful magnet for connecting with people. I I would add to that, echo it all. You know, we say, you know, for us, the number one thing a person needs to not just do, but believe is that everyone in front of us has a story to tell. Everyone needs to tell their story and everyone's story matters. And it's important to look at each person in front of us, each person in our lives as someone of value and to respect them. Because if we don't believe that, if we don't believe that they have value and that they have a voice that needs to be expressed, we really won't listen to them. We won't take the time, we won't pay attention, we won't notice. And in order to listen well, you have to believe that the person is worthy of being heard. That's what we believe is, is at the top, top yeah. of that list. That's our <laughs> mic drop. That sounds great. <laughs> so is there any last thought? Any, that sounded like a really great last thought, to be honest. Is there any <laughs> other last thoughts that um, you'd like to to share with our listeners before, I'm sure there's a lot, but is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Just maybe one more nugget is just the, the best managers, the best leaders lead from a place of humility. And we've all heard the statement that humility is not thinking less of, of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And the same is true with listening. We have this metaphor that we kind of use in our heads that every time we have an opportunity to listen to somebody, we're essentially washing their feet and we're serving them. Okay. So where can our listeners find your book and where should we lead them to? 
they can find it on Amazon. <laughs> you just type in listening two by two. And just so that listeners also know, even though someone to tell it to is based in the United States, you actually listen to people all around the world, don't you? Thank you, Tom and Michael, for joining me on this podcast once again. And it's been really a pleasure to hear your stories about your story. And it's exciting to hear about the organization growing like it is and the impact that you're having. So thank you for being here on this podcast. Yeah, I appreciated it so much. You have been a great listener for us. You are a wonderful friend. And we thank you for inviting us today and for your insightful questions and responses. I am your host, Raquel Ark from Listening Alchemy, and I hope you are inspired by this episode of Listen In and find one person today to practice your listening superpower. Please subscribe and like this podcast and share it with others so we can catalyze a listening movement together. A big thank you to Evo Tiemann for producing the music and Cecilia Mercado for getting this podcast set up. Find more information at www.listeningalchemy.com. Enjoy listening in.